0: In 1996, a movie about an alien invasion captivated audiences everywhere. The battle for the soul of a planet was on, and audiences grew to appreciate it even more as time went on even though it was perceived as hokey and you know just all over the place it wow it it found a place in the hearts of pop culture and no i'm not talking about that movie where the president of the united states gets in a jet and fights off aliens i'm talking about that uh nike commercial that got turned into a feature-length film come on and slam and welcome to the jam. Come on and that if you want to jam.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, welcome to So To Speak. I'm Evan Mead. I'm Lyle Groninger. And we're joined by.
2: The Courtside Reporter. I yep. mean, Josh.
0: Okay, that's his name from now on. The Courtside Reporter. All right. Maybe. Hey, I think we just found uh, his spinoff show. But, anyways. The courtside Report with Josh. Okay. Today we're going to do, we tip. okay, the one time, ta- the only other time we've touched upon current events, like on this show, was when I covered the 2020 election that Trump lost, and Biden won. So, but we're going to not talk, we're, we're not going to go into political contemporary events today. Oh, we are okay. we are going to talk about uh, a couple movies in honor of a, a sequel that just came out to space jam it took 25 bloody years but it happened i didn't think it would happen but uh yeah no. let's talk about let's do, let's do a double feature let's talk let's give our two cents on the first space jam and then we're going to talk about the sequel that okay. just came out okay okay so a little background Uh, Lyle, since you are probably the least vested in Space Jam, you get to recount the plot of the first movie. It's pretty easy to sum up. It's not, it's not, we're not talking, it's not like it's Lord of the Rings or anything. No, it's not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Space Jam is about, uh, basically these, this, there's this alien amusement park way past the moon, and they're, they're struggling because they don't have any new attractions, so their idea is, uh, they want to, like, capture the Looney Tunes and have them... Yeah, okay, they want to enslave the Looney Tunes. But to do that, they have to win in a competition that Looney Tunes decide. So Looney Tunes are like, well, these aliens are all short and silly, so we'll just, like, own them in a basketball game, because obviously... But then the aliens uh, absorb the abilities of famous basketball players, and the only one I recognized was Charles Barkley. I always almost say Gnarls Barkley, but it's Charles Barkley. Yeah. And... Um, so they get super strong and super tall and shit, and uh, so like the losing teams are like, "Oh no, we're in trouble because we're not super tall and strong and uh, and good." So we need one person to help us, and that one guy is legendary baseball
0: player Michael Jordan. Baseball player. Oh right, yeah. yeah. This, this was <laughs> this was this was set in the period of real life where Michael Jordan was on top of the NBA shit heap. He was king of everything. He was he was viewed as this god among men, and then he retired. Yeah. The first time he
2: retired. Yeah. Well, for context, Michael Jordan, even as a high school and college player, was one of the best to ever, to ever set foot on the court. And in the early 90s, the Chicago Bulls went from a relatively middle-of-the-road basketball team to a 3 P of NBA Finals from 91 to 93. And then in 19, late 1993, um, after that season, Michael Jordan decides to retire from playing basketball because he wants to focus on playing baseball like his late father did. And that's why a lot of the mid-90s, for a couple of years, he was playing with the uh, Chicago White Sox's his AA affiliate, uh, the Birmingham Barons. Not doing that well, obviously, but that's the sort of uh, setting this, uh, this movie takes place, and you even see a bit of him playing in a game at the beginning.
1: Yeah. He's a legendary basketball player. I was just being silly. <laughs> I I am the least uh, knowledgeable guy about sports, but yeah, at least you guys keep me up to speed. Well,
0: all I, me I, I only know of I only know that he played for the Bulls for a long time, and then I, at one point he played for the Washington Wizards. I don't know how long that lasted. That
2: was like early two thousands, and then there was that whole like ownership period with like the Charlotte Bobcats, and then the Wizards, and now the Charlotte Hornets. It's a it's a whole thing.
1: Okay. okay so, so, so I established the premise. Do I have to go through the entire so, plot? Or well, we
2: basically, you just... know you summed
0: it up. The, the Looney Tunes recruit Michael Jordan to uh, basically win, the, win, a, win a basketball game to save their asses from perpetual slavery. So it's essentially... Michael Jordan gets, uh, sucked into the Toontown scene from Who Framed Roger Rabbit for 45 minutes, and mm. you think it would be kind of cool, but it actually lends itself to some outdated, you know, green screen fuckery. Uh, like, remember that scene where, like, they, the Monstars, that's the name of the fucking... Yeah, the Monstars, I forgot their name. Yeah, yeah no, no, the okay, so, you remember that scene where they...
2: Well, the, they, the, the, the evolved forms of the Monstars, they're technically called Nerdlux. Nerdlux, yes,
0: and, uh... They come from Moron Mountain. That's Dan, Danny DeVito. Uh,
2: hooked them up. Yeah. So, anyways, he started blasting. Yeah. <laughs> so he started. He started blasting. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, like, I gotta admit, having Frank from It's Always Sunny as like the main villain is actually kind yeah. of hilarious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Danny DeVito's great and everything. Okay. Just like mm-hmm. Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight's great in this too. So,
2: uh, I, I think Newman really hams it up for better or worse.
1: Yeah. yeah but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, and then we can't
2: forget Bill Murray. Yeah, who? Bill Murray the, steals the damn
1: show. He does in every scene.
0: Yeah, I liked how um he's kind of this kiss ass to Larry Bird when he Mike and Michael Jordan are on the <laughs> golf course. Um, one of my favorite, uh, my two favorite jokes in the movie actually belong to Bill Murray, where it's like, um, where remember when like. Uh, Michael Jordan, the the Looney Tunes capture Michael Jordan. No, they they literally get him to agree to all this by capturing him, and it's really and it's really weird. Like Michael Jordan isn't horrified to be in what is essentially cartoon land. He's
1: not even all that thrilled either. He's kind of indifferent.
0: He can't fucking act to save his life. No, I mean,
1: he he shows up and he's kind of happy to be there. So at least he doesn't look dead inside or anything. Yeah, more or less,
0: he's just kind of like playing himself. Yeah, I know he um. Uh, yeah no the, but, the, but the point is uh he wasn't he wasn't funny and he's with the looney tunes so you feel like looney tunes and uh looney tunes and michael jordan like the 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 thing that the nine the parents of the 90s kids grew up on came together with something that 90s kids grew up on ba- nba basketball and the looney tunes so it seems like it would be a pretty cool idea for a film and to be honest when i saw it for the first time when i when i was about 10 uh, what was i like 11 or 12 I actually, I had fun with it. Um, it's got a charm to it. I, I will say this, though, because I already watched a ton of Looney Tunes cartoons by then, the voice acting on the part of the Looney Tunes seems off. Like... Mostly but,
1: everything about the Looney Tunes is off.
0: Yeah, no, their humor, slightly. their caliber of humor isn't even that good. Like, compared to the Looney Tunes of the 50s. Or even, heck, uh, it would be another, uh like... Seven year, seven, eight years later, there was Looney Tunes back in action, which came and went. And I
1: have still yet. I have not.
0: I feel seen like that. I feel like uh, you and I will probably end up mm-hmm. watching that soon, just to kind of tie this whole Looney Tunes. Streak I remember, in. you may be I honestly like,
2: got to rewatch Back in Action. It's been quite a long time.
0: I want Lyle to watch the first ten. 20 minutes of it because for one specific scene. There's a scene in that the movie... Ma- the Matthew Lillard joke. Matthew that. Lillard makes a... makes a hilarious cameo. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, we're not gonna spoil it, but... I, I remember those first 20 minutes, I was like, please turn this off. Yeah.
0: No, the movie... I was... I'm gonna be generous. The movie does get a little better um, after that. Okay, okay. But anyway, back to the... back to Space Jam. So yeah, so back to Space Jam. So that's pretty... And the basketball game is, ba- is exactly what you think a basketball game with the Looney Tunes would be like, um... Put it this way, if you've ever seen... Uh, what's a, a good episode where... A good Looney Tunes cartoon where, like, they take a sport and the Looney Tunes just invert the shit out of it? Oh! Uh, Bully for Bugs with the whole bullfighting thing. <laughs> that's probably why... Ah, uh, yes. That's a classic. So, it goes exactly how you think that would play out. Except the jokes are a little over the top. And, that's uh...
1: Looney Tunes, for God's
0: sake. Well, of course it is. Now, I forgot to mention... It was this movie that had the Looney Tunes introduce a new character who actually would be in Looney Tunes lore going from the late 90s to the early 2000s. Lola Bunny! Lola, Lola, Lola. I'm not bad. I was just... No, wrong bunny. Don't call her a doll, Lola. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, So, uh, I don't... uh, the, to avoid this getting into a weird discussion about furry culture... Yeah, Lola Bunny was a thing. And uh, she still kind of is a thing... Uh, as we'll get to that in the sequel. But So the point is... Uh, they It's this generic message of... Uh, you know... Th- th- there actually was kind of a moral going on... Because the plot is... Michael Jordan is king of the world of basketball. He goes to baseball. He sucks at, ba- at baseball... And then, uh, when the Looney Tunes recruit him to help, you know, play a game against the aliens, he's like, I don't play basketball anymore, but still he plays amazingly well and he actually is like the team's MVP and, uh, he saves their butts, uh, twice, uh, well more, more right. often he's than He's practically just tw- the coach of the team as well. Yeah, I know, he really was. And, uh, Lyle, how did you <laughs> feel about that, uh, Pulp Fiction joke with Yosemite Sam and Elmer yeah, that, that made me chuckle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That, that, I honestly had to give props to WB for doing that. Cause like the few times they sneak in some adult jokes uh, yeah. for the parents of the kids watching. It's like I'll allow it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that's no. Oh, uh, the one thing I oh uh, it's it's I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this. But Space Jam is one of the most. Overly commercialized, overly dependent on product placement
2: movies. You one will that ever that one say. line from Stan. Oh yeah, lace um, up your Nikes and grab a box of W's, and we'll grab a Big Mac on the way to the ballpark.
1: <laughs> yeah, that line makes me. <laughs> or strange.
2: something to that extent. I feel like the direct the, the there this movie had like four
0: had four writers, and I guess not one of them like even tried to you know hide the fact that oh. you know. it's it's interesting you mentioned commercials because i'm looking at the director right
1: now joe pitka who holds the record for most nominations in the dga for outstanding directing commercials oh wow so he has that credit i guess that's
0: that i yeah i guess i think the
1: whole premise is based on a commercial
0: so yeah that's true expect in the early 90s uh Nike Nike, nice. oh, yeah. Nike paid Warner Brothers a shit ton of money to have Looney Tunes characters in their commercials for Air Jordans. So, more often than just occasionally, kids would see Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny on TV playing basketball, you know, to buy the, the shoes. And it's like, okay, if that works, then let's turn it into a movie. And literally, a commercial that got turned into a feature film became a thing. But I still feel like there's a charm to it, uh... There's something, you know, that just reminds me of what it was like to be a kid. Like, you know, if a kid wrote a movie about, you know, his basketball hero playing with his cartoon friends, that's like something, that's like the kind of movie that would totally sell in the 90s. And it did sell because in our nostalgia-laced culture, Space Jam comes up quite a bit in a fond kind of way. And even when guys like TJ Kirk take a big, you know, steaming, you know, dump of a review on it, I actually find it endearing because, like, the fact that it's, you know, campy and commercialized in a weird sort of way kind of adds to the charm to it. Uh, I feel like, talking about the soundtrack, the soundtrack got whoever was big in hip-hop at
2: the time, and... uh, This soundtrack is underrated, except the song they decided to anchor the movie with Ugh. has become very problematic for obvious reasons.
0: Yeah. Uh, I believe I can fly. It's the second song. And demonetized. You
2: had to do it.
0: R. Kelly is not a good guy. There. There's our <laughs> ad revenue back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um,
2: so but I, let's get off that and onto how awesome Hit him high is that is an underrated posse rap cut right there. Alright, yeah, the the, the the Monstars anthem. Uh mostly I mean, do you have B Real from Cypress Hill, you got Coolio, you got Method Man with it, both with his own solo work and he's a part of the Wu Tang clan. You got LL Cool J on here, and much like in our in our favorite albums episode, the most recent one, I talked about how awesome a TriCall quest scenario is, because the end verse is done by one Busta Rhymes, and oh, look, he's on this track, too. Wow.
0: That's cool. Uh, I also, my two favorite songs uh, on this track are, uh, uh fly, the Seals cover of Fly Like an Eagle. Yes. Uh, that was a good cover. Yeah. Seals That's cover. That's awesome. fly- And, uh, the song that anchors the movie, not the R. Kelly shit, that was, uh, uh, no quad city DJ, DJs. The song literally called Space Jam. Like it's a song that makes no sense, but boy, is it fun to dance to!
2: It, it's it's a to banger. Rock. Like it's it's yeah. made for parties. I I also actually have found I, I really kind of find some funny humor in a uh, Barry White and Chris Rock's uh, remake of the Cheech and Chong track Basketball Jones. Oh yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, I actually found myself really digging. Uh, the cover of that's the way I like it by spin doctors and the late biz ah, yes. Uh, biz, biz passed away a couple of days ago as we're recording this, yeah, but like his uh, beatboxing and like his, his vocals add so much to this. It's kind of like granted it was when spin doctors was still kind of a thing kind of hanging on there, but salt and pepper
0: salt and pepper had a song.
2: Yeah. Their version of Diana Ross upside down, which yeah. that's, that's a pretty good, I actually also really like um, All For One's uh, song, I Turn To You, which I know Christina Aguilera, I think, later did this song as well a couple years later. Cool. Anyways. Um, we also, I have a story about the title track as well, because uh, Evan and I, I believe, did a group project where we did our own sort of choreographed dance to Space Jam. Yes. I think this was sixth grade.
0: That was, no, seventh grade. We were in media studies, That's and yeah, that was awesome. That's it. Yeah. No, that was that was awesome. And that that was how I, I we borrowed uh, the physical copy of the CD from our friend, and I've I burned a copy on my computer, and I've had the soundtrack ever since. I still so, have yeah. the
2: copy you burned for me.
0: Oh yeah, that's cool. It's um yeah. So this, there's some fun memories. as we can say. There's some fun memories with this movie. It's it's not as like worthy of the hate, I guess. But I'd be care. I caution people with praising it a little too much. It's. It's a, it was a sign of the times. It really was. So, there was a charm to it. Uh, I gotta be kind of honest. Unlike you guys, I, I don't think I ever
1: liked this movie.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, fair enough. There's I mean, nothing re-
1: wrong
0: with that. I mean, re-
2: re- its flaws this. are pretty apparent.
1: Yeah, I'm not fond of the, uh, the weird angles and the, the bad, like, green screening and the dated CGI and all that. But at the same time, like... Rewatching it, like, I didn't like it as a kid because I was never fond of sports movies. Because I, right. I, I, I just don't like sports. It's like,
0: just, it, it's the Looney Tunes in a sports movie, essentially. Yeah, but I always loved
1: Looney Tunes, so yeah. that's what drew me in. And, uh, rewatching it for this podcast, I think it's, like, fine. It's all yeah. right. I, I don't love it. I don't like it, but it's fine. I'll, I'll watch it again for sure. But, uh, I can see why people would have, like, rose tinted glasses about it, especially when you're a kid. Yeah. And, um, it's it's a fun watch for sure and it's very very um one thing i appreciate about it is that it's it has a pretty good pace to it it gets going and uh each each act fits like the first sets up the stakes the second is like them you know getting the gang together and trying to get to their best skill And the third act which i like the last 30
0: minutes is the game that's the whole game and that's cool. It's very concise. The one thing, uh, by the way, we're, we're kind of. Do we care if we. I typically am not a big spoiler guy, but everyone's seen this movie. Do we give a shit if we say how it ends? They win the game. Well, of course they win the game. Yeah, they win the game. And People the, the funny part is uh, so, in order to, <laughs> you know, play basketball with the Looney Tunes in their world, Michael Jordan has to be late to his baseball game. And there's like a scene where like I, his fake f- actor family is. <laughs> why did in his suburban house yeah and to quote tj kirk's review they didn't uh sh- they show michael jordan living in a suburban house when at the time he lived in like a freaking nation <laughs> i uh can we just play the audio clip of uh tj kirk ranting about michael jordan's living yeah, situation sure? okay. okay well l- throw up the clip i hate that the film portrays michael jordan as living in a nice house in an idyllic and quaint American neighborhood, when really, at the time, he lived in a 56,000 square foot mansion on seven acres of private land behind an iron gate with a giant patio, his own putting green, a stocked fishing pond, a basketball court, a full home gym, an expansive wine cellar, a tennis court, and many other luxuries. Thank you for that tj anyways very astute so basically (laughs) no that was great so um i hate the fact that they didn't i get okay none michael jordan can act and apparently his family does a better job because teresa randall who was a a thing for a while she plays his wife i guess and uh and his kids the kids in this movie are not his real kids uh, despite the fact that in real life Michael Jordan does have a real family, but like they get actors to play his kids, that was that really bugs me, and I don't know why. I I know his kids and his family can't act, and to force them to do that would be cruel. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, so so basically, his, his uh, like his, the the wife is like, "Where's Michael? I don't understand why he's late for this baseball game." And the kid's like, "Oh, he's he's at his other game." And she's like, "What other game? A spaceship lands in the in the baseball diamond." Humanity just made first contact, and out comes Wayne Knight with a bullhorn saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jordan!" And like no, and everyone just claps and acts like an alien ship just
2: landed in your baseball diamond. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna question the meaning of life or anything. <laughs> I mean, and to further point out the uh, futility of that whole intro, they probably lost the game. We don't see if they win. They could have lost the game, and that big spectacle of an intro would have been for nothing. That's true. But then, and by the way, he takes the
0: he takes he goes and meets his friends Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, uh, Larry Johnson, I believe, Muggsy Bogues, and uh, that other guy whose name I can't remember. Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley, and they basically and they basic he gives them their talent back because it's really weird in a bit of a medical horror slash comedy, the biggest basketball stars in the world who weren't Michael Jordan, like you they get to lost. You no, know, you, loo- you know, the aliens in a, in a scene that you want to talk about celebrity cameos. They, the aliens do a really cool spit, a really unique and funny twist on the whole uh anonymous prick in a trench coat in movies like they sneak into Madison Square Garden where uh the Knicks are lo- are playing a game and uh they steal the talent of Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing in one swing and they do this by turning into jello and like sl- infecting their way
2: into I the I call it N1000 yeah, no, they Instead turn T one thousand.
0: Yeah, no, they go like N one thousand into their bodies, and they suck out their mojo and put it into a basketball, and that's how they become the monsters. But what I found really, what what actually kind of scared me as a kid, where later on there's a scene where like. These, okay, basically, the whole NBA takes notice that these five, you know, players all of a sudden can't play for shit anymore. And then chaos ensues. They think there's a virus. And it gets to the point where the Great Western Forum in L.A. gets shut down. And they say, until we can guarantee the health and safety of the NBA players, there will be no more basketball this season. I wonder if that would happen in real life 24 and some odd years
2: later hmm also yeah. centering around la hmm. yeah but anyways
1: I did, I did love this scene where like they're all getting examined like mentally and physically to see if there's anything apparently wrong with them yeah that was a fun little montage
0: yeah no, to the
2: tone of that uh, song we just mentioned basketball jones. basketball jones By... and charles barkley is like trying to like figure out he's trying he's trying to become more religious and he's like i promise i'll never swear again yeah.
0: That kind of like I'll never get into it because in real life Charles Barkley was a sore loser up the ass and he actually he got fined for almost assaulting a a, a referee at one point oh, like man. true sore. no seriously he the ref uh, the referee called like a foul on him and it cost the his team the game he took it super personally he fucking chased after the guy and he got fined. For it, it was fu- I, I read about this. I'm like, wow, this guy's a dick. But then they kind of, they know they kind of play on that. Like, and he kind of owns it too. Like, he's like, I'll never swear again. There we go, another technical. And then, um, it's like, uh, oh, and the, my favorite scenes where he's in therapy. And then it's like, so you had a dream that these, that these, that these kids from the hood beat you in basketball. It wasn't a dream. It really happened. And then Patrick Ewing's in therapy. It's like, are there any areas besides basketball where you feel? Unable to perform, and then it's like, <laughs> no, just ask <asking."> him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'll> allow it. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> so that's uh, anything else anyone want to say about this uh, oddly charming uh, night trip down memory lane to the nineties? Where the hell is Cody? I guess this time machine isn't working today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he would've been perfect for this episode. Maybe it's taking oh. a day
2: off. Yeah, every time machine needs a day off.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, time off.
2: The dynamics between the Looney Tunes themselves seem like what you would expect. Obviously, Bugs feels a little bit more macho than usual because he's trying to impress Lola. Yeah. But it, it does like to have that whole, you know, Bugs and Daffy rivalry. And there's even the joke towards the uh, end. I think uh, at the beginning of the basketball game, where Daffy comes out, and you know, after everybody else in the starting lineup gets all this applause from. The, uh, the audience, which is, like, there's a bunch of callbacks to other Looney Tunes shorts. If you guys have seen some of them, you'll recognize some of the little characters and callbacks there, but when Daffy runs out, it's dead silent.
0: Yeah.
2: And he's, like, very funny. Let's all laugh at the duck. Yeah. I'd <laughs> uh- like to have, you know, Granny being on the bench. Um, I would have liked to see more of, like, like Wally Coyote and Roadrunner aren't bench players, but, like, they tend to focus on having, like, the main Looney Tunes like Bugs, Daffy, Lola, maybe a couple others have Porky more, Pig like, Elmer prominent role. Porky Pig Even and Elmer. Porky from- isn't like as notable. It just seems like it's those three and the rest. But on a voice cast front, I wouldn't say it's so much lackluster as it is. Some of them actually work quite well. Um, Billy West playing Bugs and Elmer I have liked some of Billy West's voice work over the years. Oh, wow. Uh you have Dee Bradley Baker as Daffy, Taz and the Bull, if you remember the Bull from Bully for Bugs. Oh uh, yeah. He was a pain uh, in course.
0: the he was a pain in the ass for one of the monsters.
2: But um <laughs> yeah. Uh Danny DeVito of course playing S.W.A.T. Uh Bill Farmer who it's kind of weird hearing the voice of Goofy play Sylvester, Yosemite Sam and Foghorn Leghorn because I'm like Oh, yeah, I can kind of hear, it's like yeah, Goofy I trying to do you. a southern accent. And then, of course, there was like the lines like, we've got balls. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Jordan, no, no, no,
0: no, Michael Jordan, they actually, Michael Jordan actually kind of, uh, kind of one up that line. It's like, you sure do. This place is a mess. It's like, what?
2: Oh, my God. He- there's grease and spit shine can't fix. Oh, yeah. Spit shine.
0: And then there's, uh, the Tasmanian devil who, uh, actually, they, uh, they makes, they make, they have some fun with him.
2: Uh, uh bob bergen was good as a few characters uh, of course the late june foray does granny like few others can oh yeah as you'll see later she's one of the... lamarche as the skunk who we will have i will have some thoughts on him later oh yeah he didn't
0: really i don't really remember him being like that big in the in the movie he he was in space jam and in looney tunes back in action he has like maybe one or two scenes in both those movies i, just
1: remember
2: I mean Rain he's good was... he's there but he's I just remember we'll Wayne uh, Knight
1: blew a big fart, and even he covered his nose, and oh that yeah. was the
2: joke. Oh, no, that was because he got basically flattened by the Monstars, uh, uh, Spike and the other dog. They had to inflate him, and that was hate. that was the joke.
1: They
2: hate flat Wayne Knight. That's a nightmare. Yeah. What's kind of neat with the NerdLucks is yeah. one of them was actually voiced by Katherine Reitman.
0: Oh, wow. And uh, Ivan Reitman uh, was Bump one of the, produ- the
2: Purple One. Ivan Reitman was well, one. Well, it of the- makes sense. Yeah, I only made that connection when seeing the credits and saw, oh yeah, Ivan produced it.
1: I yeah. did like the the Ghostbusters nod when like Bill Murray just shows up out of the blue. It's like, what's Dan Aykroyd doing here? Yeah, <laughs> and also it's like, um,
0: Mr. Murray, how did, how exact? <laughs> Daffy, Daffy, asks him, "Hey, Mr. Murray, how exactly did you get here?" It's like, oh, uh, I was friends with the producer, and that's how I got. It. It's like,
2: well, it's It's like either a combination of breaking the fourth wall, or he gives no, he gives no shits about it. Yeah, I love how he has a like, character I am not. There is no illusion here.
1: Yeah, I love how he has a character arc where, he, for some reason, really wants to play in the NBA. And he tries That's to get... the he tries to get Larry Bird to, like, you know... Endorse put, put in a word for him.
2: And then Larry Bird's like, no. Yeah,
1: yeah. Larry Bird seems like a
2: chill guy. <laughs> Just play golf. I, I like that whole line, though, with him, like, perhaps I can be of some assistance. Like, okay, Vankman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did get the Ghostbusters reference, right? Right? That was his character? Yeah,
1: Venkman yes. is his name, yes. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Good job. Um, nice. let's well, ca- uh, voice actor note, uh, of course... Uh, Resident animal sound effect extraordinaire Frank Walker is uh, Charles the dog. If you remember the scene where they have to get uh, Michael's lucky North Carolina shorts.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. That was a good scene. Frank Walker, of course. Yeah. Uh,
1: For some reason, I like the integration of the cartoons in the live action world better than the live action actors in the cartoon world.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. Because it felt like, well, it felt like, you know, it was done really well. Save for that really bad CGI shot of the dog other than oh, that, yeah. that really bad green screen shot of the dog but other than yeah. that it, it was kind of like something you'd see in who framed roger rabbit or any other like epic where cartoon characters blend together with real people i feel like we're
1: gonna mention roger rabbit a lot in this oh, yeah but well it, it set the standard there hasn't
0: really well roger rabbit was kind of like the staple for many years of how to bl- well first there was that tom and jerry cartoon where tom dances with technically the first one to ever pull that off was the
1: three caballeros oh yeah Oh, that's an
2: underrated one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so and then there's Mary Poppins, of course. All right. Yeah.
2: Now and Bedknobs and Broomsticks,
1: I think. Yeah. yeah like, same crew too. So, anyways, there's that's
0: mm-hmm. okay. So, unless anything else to also say that's Space Jam. Uh, nice little trip down memory lane. Phil has a cult
2: following mm-hmm. a quarter century later, it's been re-released countless times on home media, including a, an Ultra HD Blu-ray release just a couple weeks ago.
0: Now. I smell potential for a sequel or a sequel slash reboot of the classic story of.
2: A I'm man. sorry, all Warner Brothers sees is those mad dollar signs and nostalgia dollars based on all the IPs they own.
0: Yeah, now get this. So here's the plot of the sequel of Space Jam. Steven Spielberg directs this epic virtual reality world where you can dive in and be anything. Oh wait, am I talking about the right movie? Yeah, you are. Wait a minute, (laughs) are you
2: telling me that in the Looney Tunes world, the only limit is your imagination? Yeah, apparently.
0: Well, apparently, and apparently, the I
2: think we have our movies mixed up.
0: Yeah, no. So there's this guy who uh, wants to. He wants to win this big contest, so he recruits all his favorite characters to come help him. (laughs) All his favorite gamers.
1: It all piles into a massive battle at the end.
0: Yeah, no, and there's this... There's and somehow th- the Iron
2: Giant is involved. Yeah, no, the
0: yeah. Iron Gi- No, the Iron Giant's there. And, and, and King Kong. This, e- this evil corporate millionaire wants to take over the whole system and basically monetize the shit out of it. Uh, I really feel like we're not talking about the sequel. to no, wait I talking- got
1: the, the titles right there. Ready, player, LeBron.
0: No, Josh, Yeah, Josh. Uh, ready player brawn. <laughs> yeah,
1: Josh, Josh came up with that one. I, I can't take credit for
0: that. <laughs> uh, Space Jam,
1: A New Legacy, everybody. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Here we go.
0: Um, so, yeah, no, and Steven Spielberg didn't direct the sequel to Space Jam. <laughs>
1: no, the, the, the guy behind Scary Movie 5 directed this one. How the heck do you get that? The
2: development of this sequel has been a long time yeah. coming. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Michael Jordan is
0: old bald and fat so he can't come back or can he we'll get to that later but the point is he can't come back so who's the big who is the
2: next Michael Jordan
0: 25 years later
2: they Giannis Antetokounmpo he just won a championship last night all right oh wait no this was before that happened uh Steph Curry the Warriors won three out of four NBA finals and like one of the most dominant teams in the mid late 2010s Oh no! way. who else? Uh, Kawhi? No, not Kevin Durant. He switched between teams a lot. Uh, uh, Clippers didn't do. They did fine this year, but you know, Kawhi's. Uh, uh, who else can we get? Mm, that's that's a tricky question. I know. How about that guy that that uh, that jumps around between teams, and a lot of people attribute him to being the reason the NBA has been full of super teams the last five six years. Ah. LeBron James I think he likes to think of himself as royalty or something
0: yeah perfect yeah. yeah so anyways LeBron James is the central focus of this movie as crazy as it sounds they the story is more complex than the the, the first space jam had a simple premise this premise is actually kind of complicated there's like five yeah. different plots oh and they God all
1: intersect. God,
0: yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. And Are you gonna
1: have me recite the plot to this one? Uh, uh
2: you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll make a long story short. Yeah, Josh can do yeah, it. How about yeah.
1: Josh takes it? Okay. Yeah.
2: So, the only be- the the, be- the little premise at the beginning is it shows LeBron as a kid at a basketball practice, and his friend gives him a original Game Boy because he had just gotten a Game Boy Color. So this gives you the time frame of probably like around the time the first movie came out in the mid late '90s. He's practicing, the coach is basically telling him to get his head in the game, and then he has to throw out the Game Boy. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, what a perfectly good waste of something that would be actually able to probably pay a mortgage in 25 years. Ah. No. Then it goes to the present. The gist of it is, LeBron wants his son Dom to focus on playing basketball, where Dom, who is a quite adept game designer, wants to go to an E3 coding camp, and like a game design camp, and make his own game, which he's already been working on. Yeah. So... Then there's this, of course, Warner Brothers has to insert themselves into the plot of the movie where he meets with, the um, LeBron meets with Warner Brothers because their algorithm, very cleverly named Al-G-Rhythm. ah, it took six people to write this. Six. And one of
0: the writers is credited twice. No, I'm not kidding about that. It's yeah. so weird. Well, the thing with
2: Terrence Nance is he was actually, I believe, the original screenwriter, but he left, I think, in 2019, and so it had to be rewritten from there. I guess it must have been really important, he must have been really crucial to the development of the movie, that's why they created him twice. Regardless, yeah. the the algorithm is able to listen in and finds that his son, LeBron's son Dom seems to value his tech more, like the idea for this tech where they can literally insert LeBron into the movies, so you know, like what a green screen and, and CGI already do.
1: Isn't there an app for that or something? Yeah. I see
2: it. Oh, yeah, that's the idea. They try and make some sort of server-verse app, but uh, Dom then gets, like, absorbed into this, like, server, basketball-shaped server-verse thing, and so LeBron has to go in after him, and he gets sucked into Tune World and becomes animated, which... Animated LeBron is sort of a nice nod to some of the newer Looney Tunes show things that have been on HBO Max, which, did I mention this is on HBO Max? Because I don't think Warner Brothers wants us to forget it's on oh, HBO Max. God.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like they went back and wrote, you know a little plug-in specifically when streaming services were all the rage in 2020 when covid was killing movie theaters but anyways well, the
2: opening sequence shows of lebron's accomplishments up to and including the lakers nba finals victory over the heat last year oh wow. so you can tell that this opening must have only been edited in the last like 12 months
0: that makes sense one of the things, I, and speaking of LeBron James, I like the fact that they don't sugarcoat, he doesn't live in a suburban house, they show his action, I'm sure what is probably
2: close to Yeah, that, to that act- sweeping shot made it look like I was watching a reality show or something. Yeah,
0: no, like, I like. okay, they're not, like, trying to sugarcoat, the, they're not trying to make him look like this down-to-earth, middle-class guy, no, this guy lives in a mansion with, like, gated security and high-tech systems and... And there was one point where uh, he's riding the elevator with his son, and I honestly thought his own mansion had an elevator mm-hmm. for a second. I kind of I, I tuned in and out of this movie, quite honestly. Like while I was watching, there were a couple of scenes where I just lost
2: all interest, and I'm like, "But, but wait, it gets better." Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. the AI is played by War Machine,
0: Don Cheadle. Yeah, Don Cheadle, yeah.
2: And so essentially, it's the same. the The basketball premise is the same as the first one, except instead of the Heroes challenging the villains to a basketball game. It's the other way around. And LeBron has to assemble a team of, I guess, characters from other Warner Brothers properties. And, of course, he gets sucked into Toon World and meets Bugs. Now, credit to the writers here. They do make Toon World actually quite desolate. And Bugs has clearly been through some shit. Because, like, there's that one... I showed a screenshot in our, in our group chat for this podcast where Bugs looked, like, just so hungover and exhausted and that gave me like shades of SpongeBob's hangover in the spongebob movie after a night at the goofy, ah, goober. Yeah. Like, yeah, goofy goober like like yeah. such an emotional crisis yeah
0: but what's interesting yeah no, the whole so i like i i kind of like how the filmmakers allude to the fact that the looney tunes up until now have kind of faded from relevancy like they, the Looney Tunes tried to make a comeback into action with Back in Action in 2003, but that movie unfortunately bombed and bankrupted uh, a Warner Brothers animation studio in the process. I, I just learned that this week. Very sad, because I actually kind of like that movie. But anyway, so Looney Tunes kind of faded from relevancy over the years, but uh, and they, the movie kind of wants to make that point. But when they do come back, there are some jokes that I actually think is really funny. Like, there's this joke where Daffy Duck is in D.C., is on planet DC and he's trying to steal Superman's thunder and uh, they do this cheesy ass wonder woman reference with Lola. It felt out of place. It was really weird. It took me a while.
2: Well, it isn't a place. It is actually, they gave, they give Lola far more character development than obviously space jam was ever going to give her. And it also speaks to Lola's actually become a lot more of a reliable supporting character in the more recent iterations of this franchise than they would have ever conceived it when they when they came up with her.
0: I can't believe there was a controversy when they told when they show, they showed a screenshot of her of her physical outline in the movie and it didn't have bunny boobies and a lot of people were mad about that. It's like, guys, uh, <laughs> is that? Yeah, all your...
2: yeah. We'll, we'll talk about things like "quote unquote" worth getting upset about shortly. Oh, uh, right. that's
0: what the internet's for. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways. This movie, uh, in a weird way, it is, to me, overall, it is better and worse than the first Space Jam at the same time. It does it's, something... Uh, it, pretty it, accurate. <laughs> it's better and worse at the same time. They uh, And because, like, everything is CG now, during the, ba- the actual basketball game, which, by the way, you want to talk about the three-act structure... I feel like there's feel a... There's a, there, like
1: a, a two-act structure. No, no, there's
0: a four-act structure. I feel like... I don't know, because, like, the first act... There's
1: like a seven.
2: too many act structure.
1: That, that's good, too. Because, like, the first act, the first half of the film is, like, there's them wandering around and then going into the And trying the, to the, recruit the people. Yeah, the recruiting bit. There's no training montage, oddly enough. It's very trinicated. And then the last half is the entire game. Yeah. It takes up an hour, and it feels like four. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, I do like the fact that LeBron was actually animated within the Toon universe and the server-verse for the most part. I think that was a better blend. It almost makes me wish they did that in the original, but I guess you can't have everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you like, uh, you like movie references, guys?
0: Not, yeah, kind of. Bring- we'll have
2: all the movie when, when they're
0: done, I like movie references when they're done with a point. <clears throat> Remember acting Powers? Oh, <laughs> God. Where Elmore Floyd is meaning Now,
2: at the same time, the Matrix one was a little bit unexpected, but I didn't mind. This movie does give, and this is a point I have to give A New legacy, it gives some of the lesser-known characters a lot more focus, and they're actually involved in the basketball. Well, like Speedy Gonzalez, uh, he's in the Matrix one, but at the same time, I think he's on the bench. He's voiced by the fluffy comedian, and I'm like, that's awesome. I've been a fan of Gabriel Iglesias for quite some time. It's great to see him still getting some work. I, uh, al-
0: I also love how Granny actually is in the game and not just a cheerleader this time.
1: Sometimes, yeah. Um, she, she I'm on mixed
2: on her now.
1: I didn't need her to talk about Twitter.
2: <laughs> uh, well, there. Was... And of course, the haters gonna hate because yeah. our writers, everybody.
0: Hey, yeah. speaking, yeah. of, you know, I also found that this movie kind of aired. Do uh, <laughs> you know what? I honestly remember how in 2018 <laughs> when. Disney had their version of this movie with Ralph breaks the Internet, where is basically a oh giant Lord. a giant panderfest to the Disney Corporation. When Warner Brothers, and it did... also had
2: a Wonder Woman type character. All
0: oh, right, yeah, played well, by Wonder... not really,
2: but it was Gal Gadot was in that.
0: She was,
1: yeah. I'm surprised they didn't get Gal Gadot for this. They got Rosario Dawson instead.
2: Yeah,
1: I love Rosario Dawson, but it's just like it's strange they didn't get her on board.
0: It
2: yeah. just made me think of if they could get Lego Barbara Gordon, how come they couldn't get Lego Batman? And damn it, Will Arnett should have been in this. Oh
1: my God, you're right. Richard Dawson wasn't uh, Lego Batman. Lego Bat. I got Lego Batman vibes from this too. Yeah. Just the third act of Lego Batman, because eventually just a whole bunch of Warner Brothers movie characters show up.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's now, done, it's done where a the better. first
2: movie has the whole idea of a villain being this like you know alien from a theme park that tries to enslave the Looney Tunes. for for like more mark for more revenue Algae rhythm at least has a more devious idea where Dom's been developing this like futuristic basketball game that NBA 2k whatever wishes it could be where he has this technology where he scans several real life NBA and WNBA players into the game and algae uses this and essentially takes that data and transforms them into the goon squad so the Monstars are no more the, and essentially, oh, these so real life players.
0: We're not going to get an Independence Day resurgence type of deal where the aliens come back like ten times stronger. I was going to say, there's no,
1: there's not a lot of space for a movie called. Space yeah. Band, unless you count cyberspace. Space. Uh, yeah.
2: But um. Pss.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think they should have called. But no. Fa- Cyber not, not only Band that. Would have been perfect. Yeah.
2: It would have, but it would have felt a little too dated, a little too. Wordy of a of a title, so Dom ends up actually being pitted against his father in more ways than one. Since Algy is trying to convince him to like create his own character and actually up his stats like all the way, and basically make he makes a team full of uh, essentially game-breaking characters where all the stats are like super maxed out. They've got all these you know special abilities, and you you really do feel throughout, especially with Dom, that. He's just a kid that wants to learn how to make video games and really doesn't care that much about sports. I and, mean, you know, you've got an older generation and his father sort of pushing him to, you know, be more involved in sports like him. And, you know, just because, you know, the, you want a cycle to repeat doesn't mean it should, because it's unhealthy, to push your kids into doing things they are not comfortable with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you find the conflict believable between LeBron and his son?
2: Yes and no. Yeah. Yeah like I can relate to feeling like I'm supposed like I'm being pushed down a path that I'm really not into and wanting to try and rebel against it yeah. at the same time it's like this kid obviously is the, the the character is written like really to be a really smart you know technologically inclined kid but like even the way the tech looks it's like it somehow is able to like generate live streams by based on how people are watching. It was kind of weird how they explain it. But the, the point is, it's like, I almost felt the entire Goon Squad thing is like a parody of, you know, it, it is literally a parody of an NBA super team. because like, there is no way, it, it wasn't even like the monsters where it was just aliens that stole NBA players' talent. This is essentially data based on actual people's abilities. And then they just have like monster forms. And they actually did get some pretty prominent NBA players to voice these because like you see the live action cameras but you had you know you had Anthony Davis you had Damian Lillard you had Clay Thompson and they actually gave some WNBA representation with uh, Diana Taurasi and Ogumi Ogumike which oh, we nice. really need to see just because the WNBA did not exist when the first Space Jam came out so to see some of that representation in here is kind of nice that's oh,
1: awesome I didn't know it was that recent Oh yeah, I know the NBA. The, the WNBA it, is a
2: very new thing. It only started the late, like a couple of years after the first Space Jam came out. But like, it's kind of an underrated thing in that mm-hmm. it sometimes can get better ratings and more fan interest than the NBA itself. Sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, uh, what's a basketball game without dozens and dozens of characters coming in out of nowhere to, to fill up an otherwise empty space? Oh Christ. Mm. Uh. Which leads me to my next point. So, I will not contest that the character of Pepe Le Pew has been problematic for quite some time, and I can understand the decision to not want to include him for possibly being linked to things like that, especially in modern culture. So, a killer clown and a depraved street gang are okay, though, because you own them, right?
0: Ah, yeah.
1: Kind of hypocritical. Yeah,
0: and uh, also there are a ton of Game of Thrones references. But, by the way, this is a kid's movie. What um, kids are watching Game of Thrones? Uh, <laughs> I'm
2: just... Very mature kids, which yeah, those not, do exist. I'm
0: not trying to be, you know, that overly concerned, you know, pseudo-parent, but it's like... uh. I'm not going to show Game of Thrones. If you've seen Game of Thrones, I'm not showing that to my kids. It feels weird when you see,
1: like, Alex and his droogs, like, hanging around the basketball court. Yeah, no. Or just a Pennywise just there.
0: What was up with a dude from Buddy from A Clockwork Orange is there and Pepe Le
1: Pew be. That's what I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, And
1: I got to say, like, these extras... Also, probably they must have had a budget or something, or like a lesser budget on the costumes and the cosplayers, because it's it's not very convincing for the most part.
2: And they're just kind of like it's like it's going to be the first post-pandemic Comic Con cosplay. Yeah, um, it
1: feels like that, and uh, they're, it just feels like they're in idle animation the entire time. They don't. Really, there's no fun interactions between the two for the most part. The CGI ones get more, but like for the most part, it just. It looks very unconvincing, and I find it distracting.
2: Okay. speaking of CGI, um, what are y'all's thoughts on the turning the hand-drawn Looney Tunes into the CGI ones for the game? The whole like, okay. sequence that takes place
0: in the—I knew it was coming, but uh, I—I'm indifferent to it because I—I pl- I once played a, uh, I played a video game where the Looney Tunes were like CGI characters, and it looked. It looked weird, but like they, the animation effort, you can't fault the studio for that. Um, I get the whole point. Like, you know, I honestly thought the twist was going to be, if you turn them into CGI, you'll take away their ability to be loony. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like you'll take away their, their, their looniness, which means they won't be loony. And, but here's the thing, like when there's actually a bit of a heartfelt moment where the Looney tunes are like, you know, we're losing the game because we're trying to play like you, LeBron like that's a problem you're trying to play like me you can't be me the guy you guys gotta be you like surprisingly heartfelt i like that
2: yeah there between halves there was actually a kind of funny joke where sylvester tries to actually get michael jordan but Uh, he gets killmonger instead oh yeah
0: yeah. Uh, like i said they could have done something i I, I like and then i i looked over your face and you're like lyle's like why movie (laughs) Of course, you know, Michael... No, I kind of saw that joke coming from a mile away because it's like, oh, Michael B. Jordan, the Oscar-winning actor.
2: Yeah, but they also wait way way too late into the movie to do that. Like, if they were going to try doing that, you know, they could have done it at the very beginning.
1: Well, they thought it would be like a, you know, like a Hail Mary pass or something, but it kind of just fell flat. Yeah. yeah,
2: If I wanted to watch uh, something involving a Hail Mary pass and LeBron, I'd watch the Simpsons episode he voiced in.
0: All right, yeah. Now, on that note, I'm not gonna lie. LeBron James, it, this, it's not like this is his first acting gig ever because he was in Trainwreck and he was in The Simpsons. So he's a better actor than Michael Jordan. I'm just gonna uh, be yeah, real. He carries it a little bit. He owns the. He owns like what's going it's on. It's just as
2: manufactured, but it's at least a little more believable.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's totally manufactured. And there's tons of like little winks and nods to like you know contemporary life and pop culture and stuff. No, he was good.
2: Can I just say it is awesome to have Gossamer, the monster, actually playing basketball in this one? He was just an audience member in the first Space Jam, and he finally gets to play.
1: Yeah, I was shocked by that. I didn't expect him to have so much screen time because I always liked him in, like, the spookier Looney Tunes episodes.
2: Yeah, he's one of the starting five. Like, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I was glad. I guess he was supposed to replace Pepe Le Pew or whatever, so, hey. I like him better, so
2: that's great. Yeah, not a ton of jokes, um, at his expense, but. Uh. And then what's not so great is the random Porky rap battle, written uh, by Mers, mind you. But still, it's as it's 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 very much a Steve Buscemi, "How do you do, fellow kids?" moment. If you're ever going to see one. That
1: was super cringy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And for a rap battle, it was incredibly one-sided. The other team didn't even bother. Oh us. god,
0: yeah, and like, Porky Pig is i get i get it because he has a stutter and it's cool to see him form a sentence without breaking it make
1: a really obvious pun yeah
0: by the way i just just gotta go back to the first space for a second it's not like the looney tunes have never rapped before like on the soundtrack of the first movie there's this this, yeah
2: there's this track by jay-z seriously oh wow yeah well he has a writing credit oh yeah
0: there, there were it's incredible. It, parts of it are dated though, and uh, you're not gonna believe this, but uh, this was back when you know Trump was like king of the millionaire shit. There's actually a Trump reference in there. There is a Trump reference, and there's also a presidential reference in that song, <laughs> like uh, like day one had his and hers first, like Trump's wife up to my ears in carrots. I, Trump's wife at the time being Ivana, and also there's later in the song. Hold on now.
2: That can't be right.
0: Yeah. Why well, would? Mm-hmm. I feel like we're just got we just kind of got sidetracked a little bit. Uh, we're not yeah. talking no politics. We're not going there. But anyway, so uh,
2: I didn't quite. I mean, I understood in the New Legacy why Daffy's the coach, but oh yeah, have no, that made sense. It to be a player coach thing because those did exist at some point, and I feel like Daffy as a player coach would have fueled more of the you know Bugs Daffy rivalry.
0: Yeah.
1: That would have been cool. I was surprised Daffy wasn't a player. He was, like, the coach of the game. Yeah. That, yeah.
2: Was a dis- that was a little Well, out. I guess that was a trade-off for Gossamer to be playing. Someone had to not be playing.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, speaking of coaches, uh, Marvin the Martian really gets the shit end of the stick in this movie. Oh, yeah,
2: he's... Ugh. Like, like I, he was at least the ref in the first one. Here it's just, oh. No, he's a punching bag.
1: I mean, I, I appreciate his opening when he just shows up and there's the UFO... And they do, like, a lot of his stand-ups. Like, you have made me very angry. Yeah. And I liked all that. But then, like, it's a, they just kept repeating the same joke. Just stepping on him and stuff. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Also... I can't be the only one who likes so. him. Uh,
0: also, very briefly, going back to the for In the first Space Jam, he's the referee. And that actually makes perfect sense because Marvin is... Li- Marvin the Martian, he's literally from space and... It's the Looney Tunes versus aliens, and he is both a Looney Tune and an alien, so it makes sense that he would be the mediator between the two t- the two sides. Oh, that's actually clever. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I, didn't, I didn't make that discovery. Meme culture did, so huh. yeah. I, this the stakes
2: thing. of the basketball game, though, are a little strange. Like they really decide to amp it up because if the if the Tune Squad loses, not only will all of them get deleted, but all the real people that got sucked in through their phones are also trapped in the server. version. Yeah, server.
1: like yeah, it turns into sword art online or yeah. On no, website. that
0: was that. that oh, well, there's came, a deep cut.
2: <laughs> that kind of came out of nowhere,
0: but it. At the oh same my god, time,
2: Looney Tunes anime! Come on, Crunchyroll, get on it. Jesus. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but no, the game was... The, Sorry.
2: The second half, like they, they realize, you know what? We got to fight fire with fire. So they go all out NBA Jam, NBA Street, whatever arcade basketball video game you've played, they embrace it.
1: I was just about to say, the game reminded me a lot of NBA Jam because there's so many power-ups and crazy moves and there's like style bonuses and stuff. like. Yeah,
2: said, yeah that, I, that was the thing behind Dom's game. You get, like, way... It's not the traditional basketball arcade game you're thinking of. It was only missing Tim Kitschel going boom shakalaka after some of the crazier dunks. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Oh, and speaking of uh, the big, uh, you know, twist, the, the the big glitch that saves the day but also results in a human sacrifice, uh, spoiler well, alert for those of you who haven't seen the movie, skip ahead to, you know... Skip ahead a couple of minutes if you don't want to hear. I mean, Bugs you know, Bunny dies... Bugs Bunny dies,
2: but not really. Well, to provide some context, when Dom is initially like showing LeBron the game, uh, his character does uh, <clears throat> basically LeBron's uh, signature move, which causes the character to glitch, and he loses a, a, a day's worth of progress. Yeah. And the Toon Squad realizes that they have one of them has to perform that glitch in order to have the Goon Squad lag out enough for them to get a shot off and win the game. And so it looks like LeBron's going to do it, but then Bugs sacrifices himself and does the shot, and they win. And I think he also posterizes is the term when you, you dunk on somebody. He's able to posterize Algie at the same time with like uh, the help of a well placed uh ex super jump.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't believe for one second that they were just gonna get rid of Bugs Bunny.
2: Like you know you don't bring. No, in... but they, they again they pulled an Avengers Endgame.
1: Yeah. yeah, but what, again, I didn't buy it for a second. I hate that trope in movies, because it's like, yeah, they're really going to get rid of the most iconic Looney Tune, And then the next scene, he just appears, and he's in the real world, I guess. Is that is that what happens when you glitch out? You gets sent into the real world and projected? It's weird. It's very weird. It's like, are they even really the Looney Tunes, or are they just digital facades of the Looney Tunes? It raises questions. Yeah. They're uh...
2: brands. They're brands to be marketed to... With all of the markets in the world, as
0: if, a, like food fight, as if the first, as if the first. Oh space god, like no. that, that's another deep cut. Well, as I if. Warner
2: Brothers at least has a little more dignity than goddamn food fight.
1: <laughs> a little.
2: <laughs> understatement. Yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah, we will right. not
0: bring up food fight here. No. Yeah.
2: I actually also really like that uh, Sonique Martin Green was in this because I found out she's the main character. Uh, she's the main on Star Trek Discovery. So I'm like. Oh, that's cool. I bumped into her on set. She wasn't in the movie a lot, but that's cool.
1: Yeah, I bumped into her on set once when I was on that show.
2: Yeah. Loyal stories. Yeah, there's
1: not much to say. I just started walking around the set, but it was, it was
2: cool. I, I actually like the commentary uh, from Ernie Johnson Jr. and Lil Ray Howery, because they were both like, it was like you were watching a real basketball game, but they have that very much tongue-in-cheek, you know, fourth-wall breaking stuff about the reality that they could very likely be trapped there forever.
0: Yeah. Like it was that
2: little element that was actually kind of missing from the first Space Jam, even though he had those like the mice, the mouse pretending to be an announcer. It it adds a little bit more authenticity. Yeah. And then of course you have the credits, which is literally you know different shots of different Looney Tunes characters on LeBron's Instagram doing stuff, but it has a Bill Murray callback, oh, not man. the one it should have been, but.
1: I thought that was Bill Murray. I was very confused because it was kind of far away and a little blurry. So, like, did they just take some picture he took on Instagram and put Looney Tunes over it? Or what's the deal?
2: I I think that's maybe the idea. All of the references were just, like, if A, a Clockwork Orange and It were not enough to, like, raise your, make you raise your eyebrows, we have Rick and Morty in this thing, too. Yeah. And they can't swear because it's PG. I mean... I mean, at the same time, they couldn't in The Simpsons, and they found a way to put them in a couch gag just fine.
1: Oh, wow. I mean, it's not just swearing. It's just, like, the gratuitousness and the violence and yeah.
2: everything. It's, yeah. it's just the nature of the IP. And much in the same way, Ready Player One crams a lot of different IPs, and it's just a story that feels like Willy Wonka mixed with... There was something I was going to mix it with. Willy Wonka mixed with the Hunger Games.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah.
2: <laughs> Even though the Hunger Games, like was probably a little bit before it it does some things better than the original, but it's still also a pretty below average film by comparison. So
0: all in all, yeah, no, in a weird way, space jam, a new legacy to me, it's better. I said this before, it's better and worse than the first one. The first one has an appeal. I wonder like, do how do you think this movie's going to age? Do you think, how do you think people are going to look back on this in 20 years? I don't know. I get such a
1: cynical flavor from it that I don't really get from the first one as much. Even though that one also has a lot of product placement and commercialism.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I find fascinating looking at the production history of A New Legacy, of what it ultimately became, because there was going to be a proper sequel to Space Jam decades earlier. There would have been a a proper actual sequel. There was potentially one called Spy Jam where Jackie Chan would have been in. There would have been one with Jeff Gordon called Race Jam. There would have been a golf themed one with Tiger Woods. There would have been a skateboarding themed one called Skate Jam, which in early 2000s skateboarding culture, hell yeah, I would have signed I up for, have that. Been on
0: board for that. Tony I Hawk know. would have. So we could have had like a Tony G-
2: Hawk and Team CKY, like Bam Margera, all that stuff. Give me '96, quite bitter beings in a in a skate jam. Jesus movie. Looney Christ.
0: Tunes, underground. No, too. like in, it. could have been. There could have been like the Looney, the L, the LT, uh, the LTcu. The Looney. a to Toontown. The, the the Looney Tunes. Uh, oh wait, no, that's
2: thing. too much. Like Disney.
0: The Looney Tunes Cinematic Universe. I
1: was just about to say, yeah, Looney Tunes could have offered themselves to more than just basketball. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing inherently similar about the two. You could have just done any sport and it would have worked. Yeah,
0: no, you could have done it with uh, NASCAR. You could have done it with
2: lacrosse, or baseball. Or yeah. Yeah. That's that's probably the most tragic thing about Skate Jam is because of how bad Back in Action tanked, its chances its its chances basically flopped out. Oh, so that wait, point. so Back
0: in Action was kind of like a launch vehicle, so to speak, for uh, you know this hypothetical Looney Tunes cinema bonanza. I guess it would have been. Somewhat? Well, I mean, like, Looney Tunes it... back in action was kind of a spot had a spy theme going on. They cast a James Bond actor in it, for God's sake. Yeah. Hey, did you see mm-hmm. that part? Yeah, you haven't watched that far. Yeah, no, Timothy Dalton plays Brendan Fraser's dad in that movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you're gonna... It wasn't even
2: until... It wasn't even until 2014 that, like, LeBron was actually attached to star in this sequel and it wasn't it was, it, things went on by 2016 Justin Lin who is known for Fast and the Furious movies several of them the was attached to direct does, yeah. even Kobe, even the late Kobe Bryant was interested in directing the film but not cameoing in it which would have been interesting to see if he would have considered a second de- a career in film direction well he already by August seen.
0: he uh, Kobe already had the film prowess cuz he won an Oscar for Dear Basketball so the guy, that's true. the guy was a pro player and an Oscar winner.
2: Like that's pretty rare. Now we're getting into why your boy Terrence was credited twice here. Uh, by August 2018, uh, Justin Lin left this sequel, and Terrence Nance was hired to direct. And in September 2018, Ryan Coogler of uh, Black Panther fame, Coogler, Black, I'm going to say Coogler, I Coogler, hope I pronounced it's it correctly. Coogler, yeah. Uh, yeah it's so good. he was produced for, um, he was producing the film. And production was supposed to begin in 2019 during that uh, the, the NBA's offseason that year. Uh, essentially, Terrence Nance left in July of 2019, only not even a month after principal photography began, because he and the studio producers, quote, had different takes on the creative vision for Space Jam 2, and then Malcolm Dealey replaced him. A lot of, let's see here, going down here. So it looks like there was a rap party that, uh, some stuff that leaked online last March that showed the whole serververse thing, uh, Industrial Light and Magic made the visual effects, so that does explain oh. why they look as good as they do, which right. means Disney worked on a, that means Mickey and Bugs did work together again, it all makes sense now.
0: Ah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> nice, It took Touchstone Pictures, uh, to bring them together, but hey, look what happened again. <laughs> it
1: happened again. Yeah. That should be the sequel. That's just the name of the sequel. It happened again. Yeah.
2: But at the at the same time, I've acknowledged, and even like looking back at both of these, that I'm no longer a kid. These movies are for kids, obviously of different generations. Yeah. And while they both have flaws and strengths, you know, they're not made necessarily for us. They're there to take, you know, characters and properties that this company owns or this corporation owns, I should say. And market them in a way that appeals to kids now. And kids now like flashy stuff. They like a bit more action, but they probably watch a lot of other stuff, especially because streaming's opened up a lot of avenues for kids to probably get introduced to these things. Yeah. That being said, what are your thoughts on the soundtrack?
0: Soundtrack? I barely even paid attention to the soundtrack. Yeah, honestly, it all
1: went. It was like wallpaper to me. Yeah. It's
2: way more missed than hit. Um, I actually. I wasn't super big on, like, the lead-in single from this, uh, Just For Me by St. John Sousa. And whoever, who thought it was a good idea to put a Jonas Brothers song on this thing? Uh, oh, it was. Well. Granted, it was from, like, probably the latest record, but still, it just fell out of place. Oh, was, I that, did was like that the, the w-
0: did they, was that when Sucker
2: played? No, Mercy. Okay, it sounded like Sucker was playing for a little bit at one point. Yeah. I actually I don't know my... like that they got Brockhampton and Big Frida for this because I've been fans of both of those. I've been a fan of Big Frida for yeah. for many years now. She's great. And Brockhampton have been one of the really really fantastic hip-hop groups of the last couple of years. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't even... I mean, I, th- I guess Lil Baby and Kirk Franklin's We Win was fine. It was odd seeing Anthony Ramos on, uh, on this with the best because I had just seen the movie of In the Heights a couple weeks ago and he's... In, he was in Hamilton and he was in that movie as well, so it was it, it's a it's a hodgepodge but it's stuff that um that speaks to kids today and even if I'm not necessarily huge on it, I can at least suspect there were a few tracks that uh are worth checking out. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Okay. They're not quite as much of a slam dunk as the first, I suppose. With well, a few head sirs, so
2: Yeah. Oh well anyways. Can't win them all. So
0: That was our uh, double jam extravaganza. Thank you very much for listening, Doc. And uh, we'll see you next time.
2: If you are interested in watching these right now, if you're listening to this in the summertime, A New Legacy is streaming on HBO Max until mid-August, but at the same time... There's probably better ways to spend your time and money, and also don't go do back what I to a did movie theater. have a double feature and now. watch both of these like for three and a half hours. Make sure to get vaccinated as soon as you possibly can. Wear a mask when you go outside, and once movie theaters do open safely in your area, exercise caution when when going.
0: Yeah. Very good. That's true. Sorry if I kind of interrupted there. I'm like, you know, I mean, depending on where you live, yeah, in most areas, movie theaters are starting to open. Granted, it's, you know, a little, the attitude towards vaccinations is a little backwards depending on where you live. But hey, vaccine hesitancy, we got to beat it. It's cool. No, it's not, vaccine hesitancy itself is not cool. But um, let's all get vaccinated. Let's all go back to the movies. Let's just have this whole chain of events. Be done with like this pandemic. And let's
2: hope for a Space Jam three in the next ten years. <laughs> oh God! In the meantime, that's all, folks. please go subscribe to our